1: Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I am your host, Kane Pittman. And as promised yesterday, I am joined by the beat, the Bucks beat writer for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, Matt Velasquez. For today's game day episode, we finally got to the season opener, and today's episode is brought to you by Endochino. Endochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at endochino.com when entering Locked On at the checkout. Now, Matt, we were just talking briefly before I hit record, and it sounds like the rush or the, the craziness of the NBA season has officially started for you, but I think this is year three for you on the beat, right? So, yeah. So how are you, you know, how are you feeling on uh, opening day, getting ready to start six months of, of chaos?
0: You know, I, I'm feeling okay. I feel like I, I generally know what I'm doing. Um, I feel like I've, I've booked enough of the the travel so far for the season. I've already booked through December. Um, So I I have a, a good sense of where I'm going and where I need to, you know, go and how I need to kind of handle things. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think that this is like the first year I'm not dealing with some kind of, you know, major change. Um, you know, I, I got on the beat. It was the last year of, of the Jason Kidd era. And there was a lot going on with that. Obviously last year there was the, uh, beginning of the, the Mike Budenholzer era, the be- beginning of the John horse era Actually, it was two years ago. So the, the beginning of the John horse era, the end of the Jason Kidd era, the end of the Mike Budenholzer era. And now it's like, okay, like, so like Bro- Brogden's not here, and they brought in a bunch of other guys instead. Like I can deal with that. Like that's pretty good. Um, you know, so I-, I think that there will still be some curveballs and some craziness, some things that change. But for right now, I'm feeling refreshed from a good summer, uh, I'm ready to hit the ground running.
1: Yeah, it's it's funny you say that because with all that stuff that has happened, perhaps there's more chaos in the regular season. And now it's like, all right, well, the Bucks are pretty stable. The 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 roster this year is much the same, but you know also the season is probably going to go about two months longer <laughs> than it was uh, back when Jason Kidd was around. But uh, what, if, what, if, what have you learned? Did you learn anything last year? I know the big thing is, the thing I will say is that I definitely used you the most for on game days was just finding where the hell to go <laughs> in all the arenas. So at least you've got that locked down.
0: Yeah, that that does help. I mean, there are definitely places where it is not easy to find your way in, um, but I think in terms of learning about the Bucks, um, there's just a, a really big difference between Jason Kidd and Mike Budenholzer, which shock. Like there are many differences, but but one of them that you know pertains to me, and, and also like you know pertains to the team in a, in a very real way, is practice. Um, you know, Jason Kidd, he was pretty consistent on the practice front. Uh, he would have you know regular practices. Uh, almost as often as they they could have have time together. You know, there were off days here and there. Obviously, after a um, a back to back, they wouldn't practice. isn't like Jim Boylan or anything. Uh, but they, you know, they they had long practices. They had long shoot-arounds. I mean, they they would be going for you know a pretty extensive amount of time on a lot of days, and they weren't missing too many. But with Mike Budenholzer, it's a very different schedule. Um, you know, they. They take days off. They have days that are individual days where, you know, guys come in, uh, do their work, and, and there's no full team activity. Uh, so there's no need to do media. So there's no access for, for me, for us. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's a very different way of going about things. I think the players appreciate that. I think they, they like um, being able to efficiently get in and out, do the work that they need to do, uh, and not have to spend, you know, extra time. Uh, doing things that that are not part of their normal workflow, um, and maybe not have to be there all at the same time. Guys can get there uh, when it's when it's you know good for them, and they can have a dedicated assistant coach who can be there, you know, giving them their vitamins and all that. Um, so so getting used to that was kind of big for last year in terms of knowing. You know what city I needed to be in if if they had two road games you know on a Wednesday and a Friday you know where would they practice on a Thursday would they practice on that Thursday which city would they practice in on that Thursday and so I feel like I have a a better understanding uh than I did in the past but you know we'll see but but it's always uh, changing things up keeping us on our toes um and I uh, and you know we'll have to adjust accordingly.
1: All right, so. Onto the game. And I think the best place to start would be Eric Bledsoe. And I know, you know, obviously yesterday or it, it would have been Tuesday, I guess the, the news came out that you tweeted out from practice that, that Bledsoe is expected to start just through the last two or three weeks. And I've said this a number of times in the podcast. It's always a strange thing when you get the news that, well, the injury is really not going to get any worse. It's, it's up to a pain tolerance thing. So over the last two or three weeks, did you always assume that he was going to play? And then, uh, so I guess, you know, following on from that, was that any shock at all when, when, when Bud said that he's probably going to play and everything will, after a little bit of a scare, just just been business as usual on, on Thursday night?
0: I've, I've expected him to play. I think if you asked me uh, at any point since I learned about the, the f- you know, fractured rib cartilage, um, I think that I expected him to play. I know the initial uh, vibe around the team uh, the night that he got hurt was that it wasn't that big a deal. Obviously, Buds was already out of the locker room by the time that we got in. Usually that's the case with injured players. Uh, but everybody else was like, yeah, it's not that big a deal. And Bud kind of said something similar. And when the initial you know, thought was that it was an oblique injury – you think, oh my gosh, like yeah. oblique, like that could be four to six weeks or maybe more. Um, but then, you know, for all of them to say, oh, that's not that big of a deal, then then you hear fractured rib and you're like, oh gosh, that's like, that's really bad. Or, you know, it's not oblique level, but, you know, depending on the severity of the fracture, that could be serious. Uh, but then, you know, in, in talking to to John Horst, you know, at shoot around that day in Dallas, he was like, "No, nah, it's just fractured cartilage. It's not uh, that big a deal. I mean, he could be back, sooner and and as soon as i heard that and, and the few times that i saw bled after that i usually associate like rib injuries with people you know having difficulty um even just like laughing or breathing or anything like that and, and he he was getting up shots looking pretty fluid looking confident looking uh pain-free even um like last week so uh i expected he would play uh if it was a question of pain tolerance i didn't think that you know for everything i know about eric blood so that he's a very He's a very tough guy that he would not let, um, you know, a small fracture to his rib cartilage uh, be something that that kept him out uh, of a regular season game. But obviously you want to be cautious in the preseason. Um, So I expect him to play. And I, I think that he'll be able to play, you know, regular minutes uh, come Thursday night.
1: Yeah. I would think that, Not that, you know, I think any season opening game, Bledsoe would probably be putting his hand up to play, but I don't think that the matchup or the matchup that's coming up probably played a big part in his real want to play after all the coverage he got from that last year. But before, I want to talk a lot about the Rockets because we've we've spoken about the Bucks so much over the last couple of weeks, but with Bledsoe coming in, we know that Bud goes deep in the rotation we saw a bunch of times last year and and through the preseason although that's a little bit harder to read that bud will go 10 guys deep in the first quarter sometimes 11 that's what he does he trusts these guys right down the roster and the starters have played massively reduced minutes from where they were uh, obviously the year before when when kid and prunty were in charge so is this as simple as hill slides out and probably Sterling Brown is out of the rotation. Is is that the way you look at it? What how do you see this play out?
0: Yeah, it's it's kind of a you know an intriguing call because they have so much that they have so many options um, for what to do with with their their roster that I I can't imagine Bud going any further than eleven guys. Like eleven is still pushing it, but I can't imagine him going further than eleven, and so. You know, obviously you have Bledsoe, Matthews, Middleton, Giannis, and Brooke there in that in that first line, um, and then George Hill's definitely going to be in the second line. Urson is definitely going get, to get some time there with the second unit. Uh, I think Robin Lopez, uh, you know, would make sense as someone who would play. Though at the same time, you know, if the Rockets do go small as much as they've been known to do uh, when Capella's out. Uh, then maybe we don't see Robin as much. Maybe Urson plays more of the five, like he did, at, you know, a lot of times last year, and maybe that opens up more of an opportunity uh, for a wing to get in there. Um, you know, so we're talking about Pat Connaughton, Sterling Brown, Dante Divincenzo, Kyle Corver. I mean, four guys for two spots. If if we're going with a ten man rotation, yeah. uh, I, I think I think Dante Divincenzo and, and Pat Connaughton would probably be the guys I would lean toward. Um, Though I still think Corver might get minutes. I think Sterling would probably be the the most likely candidate for the odd man out. Um just because of how well Dante's played during the preseason and how many how how much um the coaching staff has has trusted in him in the in the short time he's been with the Bucs and believed in him and tried to put him in multiple uh different situations. Um you know I it's, it's really tough, but I think that if I had to whittle it down to a second unit, uh, it would probably be Hill, uh, Connaughton, DiVincenzo, Ilyasova, and and it all depends on how they want to use Robin Lopez, because if, if they do want to use him, I think he would get in there. If they don't necessarily want to use him, if they want to go smaller, then maybe Corver gets some of those minutes off the bench, just because you know he is a veteran. Bud trusts him. Bud knows he's going to do exactly what he needs to do, and of course, he's a really great shooter.
1: Yeah, I'm glad that you pointed out Robin Lopez because I think that, you know, again, it's like how much do you take out of the season opener and clearly things are going to change over the course of, of the 82-game season. But I think this will be the first little look into whether Robin Lopez is going to be a guy that plays no matter what every single night because I, I think that the Rockets are one of those teams that, yeah, I mean, if they're not going with Capella, then they're probably playing small and then is Robin Lopez a guy that is going to play big minutes as the backup big? Now, we know that they didn't really do that last year or they were able to get away with not really having a traditional five at, at as uh, as the backup. But I, I think across the league, when I looked at the Lopez sign in, there was a couple of teams that I'm like, okay, this, this makes some sense. I can see why they would do that. Number one being Philadelphia with with the guys that they have. And then, probably even watching the game the other night with uh, the Lakers and Clippers. I mean, the Lakers are big and, you know, they're going to be bringing a, a Dwight Howard off. So, I mean, you're really projecting forward when you look at matchups like that. But if Lopez plays in, in this game, then, you know, it might give you a fair indication that, that Bud, and we've seen it before, he, he doesn't necessarily worry too much about, about what the, other, the opposition is doing more than what he's trying to, to do for, for the Bucs. But it might be, as I said, a bit of an indication that he's just going to play no matter what the matchup.
0: Right. I think you're you're definitely right about that. I mean, the Rockets could, you know, maybe muddy the waters a little bit by if they play Tyson Chandler. uh, I think that's that's a perfect time to, you know, be able to counter with Robin Lopez off the bench, Uh, and then you really don't get much of an answer as to whether Bud is playing him because Tyson Chandler was out there, or if he's playing him because he's just always going to play him and and keep him as a regular backup big in that rotation. Um, You know, so we'll have to give it a, a few game sample size to see uh, and try and figure out exactly, you know, what Bud's thinking. I'm sure Bud's still trying to figure out exactly what he's thinking and how he wants to handle these things. Um, you know, I, I'm guessing that at this point um, he does have some kind of framework for, for how he expects things to go, but part of the season, you know, in, involves adjusting and changing and being able to try out different lineups. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see how that progresses over the course of the year.
1: Yeah, Tyson Chandler would be interesting. I guess I'm kind of assuming the way that the Rockets play that he's not going to play a lot, but having said that, uh, you know he's still a guy that, that can contribute. I would, I would imagine that if, if Tyson Chandler is playing a lot of minutes, then Bud, you know might, might look to take advantage of that just where, where Tyson Chandler is in his career. But I think the big talking point, and I'm not sure how much of the rockets you saw during the preseason, but clearly, Harden. And Westbrook is going to be the story. Uh, Just looking at some of their stats through the preseason. And Harden was, Harden scored 31 points on 18 shots, 40% from three, over 11 free throw attempts per game. So he, you know, I mean, we know what he's going to do. But the question is, how does Westbrook fit into that? Westbrook took 13 shots, only scored 16 points per game, which is yeah, I mean, let's, let's be honest. Russ is not the most efficient scorer, so there's no surprise there. He was only 26% from three and still getting up over six three-point attempts per game, which my feeling is the Bucks will be happy if he, if he does that on Thursday night. But the big question is the usage. 37% for Harden, 32% for Westbrook. I mean, seriously, I, I don't... I mean, how are these guys going to actually work together?
0: Yeah, I'm I'm super intrigued. Uh, I know Chris Middleton when we talked to him on Tuesday, he said he's he's interested in what's gonna happen with them. He's like, Hey, I are these are guys I want to watch, you know, except for when they're playing us. Like <laughs> I want, I w I wanna watch these guys. I mean, I'm interested to see how they work and what they do. I mean, they're two great players. Um, you know, I, I don't know if we'll get all of the answers in night one. Um I think and there's definitely some feeling out to be done. I didn't get to watch a lot of the Rockets uh during the preseason. Um but it's also, you know, really hard as as you mentioned to to really figure things out from the way the preseason goes. Um, yeah, I, I think that those two guys, like they are both ball dominant guys. And in the preseason, they probably were able to spend more time, uh, you know, separated and, yeah. and being able to, to get that heavy usage. Um, what happens when they're both playing, you know, 30 some odd minutes a game, 40 minutes a game, you know, how are they going to be able to work off of each other? Um, is Russ going to be able to, um, Knock down open three-pointers because, you know, that's a lot of what the the Rockets do. There's a lot of spacing involved. Teams are going to sag off of him um, in in an, effort, in an effort to try and cut down uh, James Harden's driving lanes, passing lanes, shooting lanes, all of that stuff. Um, so if, if Russ does get the ball, you know, along the perimeter, you know, will he be able to knock down open shots uh, or is he going to then, you know, kind of drive into the thicket? Uh, like he like he has been has done for you know many years um, th- there 's going to be uh some some definite adjustment, and I think that that 's one thing that the bucks really don 't have to do in terms of th- their continuity. They brought back a lot of their key guys um, you know people who who know the roles and know how they fit together, and so maybe that gives them some sort of advantage uh for opening night while the rockets are filling things out um, but i'm i 'm really just fascinated by by how this game's going to play out, and and even more so by how the season's going to play out for both these teams and the way that they've um, set themselves up for the year.
1: Yeah, so this, the three point shooting is the interesting thing, particularly when it comes to to Russ, because uh, in the preseason the Rockets got a 55 three point attempts per game, which I mean clearly is just absurd. We know that that's that's the way the the Rockets are going to play, but. You, it's an interesting dynamic. When you put Westbrook into this starting lineup, you already have Capella in there. So now you have two guys that really don't shoot the ball well. Uh, I mean, obviously Capella doesn't really shoot at all. Westbrook is a high-volume, low-percentage shooter from three. I mean, we've seen how this has affected the, the Bucks in the past when Eric Bledsoe isn't making his threes. I mean, it really does change the, the way the opposition is able to defend you. And uh, I go back to when the Bucks played the Thunder last year in Oklahoma and Paul George had, uh, I think, 40 points. And, and really, I mean, he was the reason that, that the Bucks lost that game. But I, I remember watching and, and thinking, well, I'll tell you what, if, if the Bucs can just let Russell Westbrook shoot all night long and keep the ball in his hands, then there's going to be a fair chance that they can win this game because he hasn't really shown an ability to not shoot bad shots. And uh, I think that when you look at defending this team, clearly Harden is a guy that whether it's in transition or it's in the half court, he can score on you. He's going to get to the free throw line. He's got the step back. Uh, He he can really score in any type of of offense that the the Rockets are going to be able to get. But if if you slow the Rockets down and get them in the half court, then I wonder what Westbrook is going to be able to do. And if he doesn't have the ball in his hands, do the Bucs really care about him at all?
0: yeah, I mean he hasn't really played off ball extensively you know for a while I mean obviously he is an off ball threat and he can he can cut and he can you know he's a threat to shoot doesn't mean he's going to necessarily make you know high percentage, but he's a threat to shoot and he can make shots behind the three point line um, you know but I, I'm interested to think about you know or i'm interested to, to think like what what are the bucks going to do with him? Could we see, you know, obviously we'll see West Matthews on him. We'll see Chris Middleton on him. We'll see, you know, a bunch of different wings off the bench. But could we see Giannis against him at any point? Because um, you know, with the way that the Rockets structure their starting lineup, Um, you, you have to wonder what is the best way to lay out uh, the Bucks defenders, you know, against what, who the Rockets are throwing out there. Obviously, Bledsoe be on Harden, Brooke Lopez, probably on Capella. Uh, I would guess West Matthews gets the first crack at Russ. Uh, Chris Middleton would then probably be on Eric Gordon, and then you put Giannis on PJ Tucker, who you know is a less prolific three-point shooter uh, than Eric Gordon. So maybe that allows Giannis to rove a little bit more uh, and muck up the paint and and challenge from from the help side and all that. Um, but at, in certain situations, if the Bucks decide to do some switching, could they put Giannis on Russ? Could they you know try to mix things up and and make things difficult for him? Make the you know the passing lanes and the cutting lanes. Uh, a little bit more uh, murky. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if the Bucks are going to, you know, go out with their, um, you know, with their usual system and, you know, sink against the pick and roll and do all that. Or are they going to look like they looked against the the Rockets last year uh, with with Bledsoe's exaggerated shading and, and all that? Does that change when you have someone as dynamic as Russ, who could be waiting along the perimeter and can cut and can, has the strength and athleticism to finish um, you know, among the trees. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know exactly what they do. Um, I, I expect that Mike Budenholzer would want to keep things as consistent to the way that they normally do them as possible because uh, he believes in their system. He believes in what they do regardless of the opponent. Um, but but there are a lot of options there.
1: Yeah, it's. Uh, uh, I agree. The, the Giannis is probably going to be the interesting one in that case. And PJ Tucker, we've seen before, I mean, as you said, not the not exactly a knockdown shooter from three. And if you're going to be picking and choosing guys that you want to shoot from the outside, I mean, uh, he's another guy that you add in there. And I already mentioned Westbrook and Capella, but uh, PJ Tucker shot 26% from three in the preseason. He does, you know, like to shoot from the corners and he can shoot a decent percentage from there. So that, you know, could be a concern if if Giannis is, you know, focusing on doing what he does best is sort of roaming uh, the baseline there and... and Looking to block shots from Harden and Westbrook if they're getting into the paint, but uh, it will be interesting to watch. I just on the, on those usage percentages, just to, to give you an idea. And, and again, I'm I'm not sure if this will be sustainable during the the regular season because, as you said, the, the minutes were obviously down in the preseason, which allowed them to sort of stagger those lineups a little bit, but. Uh, as I said, thirty-seven percent usage for Harden, thirty-two for Russ. If you look at the Bucks last year in the regular season, Giannis's usage was thirty-two, and Chris Middleton twenty-five. So uh, those two guys that had the ball in their hands a lot. And you compare that to <laughs> the two two guys in Houston, and you you sort of get a fair idea there. But the Bucks did play the Rockets well last year. Uh, they won both games, one sixteen, one hundred nine in Houston. That was the Giannis. Uh, spiking the ball off Harden's head game and then 108-94 in Milwaukee. And they had real success against not only Harden, but also Capella. Harden was 39% from the field, only 28% from three. He still averaged 32 points per game. But, I mean, Harden's going to get 30 anyway. I mean, that's, that's just the way he is. And it's a, it's a matter of whether he, you know, goes on to get 50 or 60, and that's when he's having an efficient night. But if you can hold him to 32, 10, and 6, which the Bucks did, then you can look at that uh, as a win. And Capella's the interesting one for mine because we know that for him, it's mostly restricted area shots and dunks. And he was just 12 for 27 from the field, 44%. Uh, from the field in those two games against the Bucs. So defensively, the Bucks have to be feeling pretty good. Obviously, Westbrook is a wild card here, but they have to feel pretty confident about uh, their system against this Rockets offense. As a true football fan, you already know, just as sure as the seasons change, Aaron Rodgers will keep the Packers in the game. Every weekend, our favorite gridiron warriors put their skills to the test. So why aren't you doing the same? We're almost halfway through the NFL season, so now is the time to get off the sidelines and get in the game with my bookie. This ad read, I just want to jump in and quickly say, this ad read had Tom Brady in the copy. I skipped that. I'm not reading Tom Brady. I don't like Tom Brady. But remember, my bookie is the premier place to bet on all your favorite pro and college football action every weekend. They always have the most up-to-date lines and the most prop bets of any sports book on the planet. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and bet with the best at MyBookie. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot, try a parlay. Pick your locks for the week, put them together in one parlay bet, and when they all come through, the rewards will be huge. The best part is, if you join right now, MyBookie will double your first deposit. That's right. If you put in a grand they'll give you a grand. That's double your initial deposit. You can use on all your favorite picks. Just use the promo code LOCKEDON to activate the offer. That's promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N to double your cash. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid.
0: I think so. I think that, that would definitely be fair to say um, you know they got the better of both meetings last year i don 't think Chris Paul played in the first one um you know in Houston, uh, but at the same time like they they match up well they they both teams are going to shoot a lot of threes um uh, the bucks just have more confidence in their ability to defend the paint um than than they think the Rockets can do. I think that 's definitely a difference between the two teams. you know the bucks put a huge premium on defending the paint and trying to get. Guys to shoot less efficient three pointers or have less efficient efficient shooters uh, be the ones who take them. Um, Yeah, as you mentioned, like Harden's going to get his, um, but I think that the you know the similar styles and the contrasting personnel um, should make for a a fun matchup.
1: Okay, so I we've spoken a lot about the threes and clearly that's going to be a, a theme of the game. 55 three-point attempts per game in the preseason, as I said, for Houston. The Bucs were up around 40. Are we going to see... What would you set the line at for, for three-point attempts tonight, and are they going to crack 100?
0: Ooh, I don't think they'll crack 100, but it'll be, it'll be a lot. Like I don't know exactly how many it'll be, but I, I would go under 100, but like over 80? Maybe that's being too conservative, but under 100 and over 80 definitely seems like it fits. Yeah, I think that,
1: I mean, I'm going 90 plus. I think they could easily easily crack uh, 100 three-point attempts and uh, the Bucks' defense, as you sort of alluded to earlier in the podcast, whether they are going to stick with that same uh, drop scheme with, with the big guys, I mean, I, I don't see any reason why they would change that because even though you could pick that apart a little bit last year and there's certain games where you look to and and I, I think the 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 one that I always remember is when we were in Portland in the CJ McCollum game and and look the Bucks give up jump shots I mean that's 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 what they do that's what they did last year and it's a matter of of you know defending those those jump shots as best as they can but their number one focus is to protect the paint and and I think that when you look back at where they ended up the season number one defense in the league then it's really hard to argue <laughs> with with what they were doing on that end so. Yeah, I I'm but yeah, back to the threes, I'm going ninety plus and I would not be at, at all surprised to see them crack a hundred. But what else have you got this on? What else are you looking forward to? Any other storylines? Where do you want to go with this?
0: Well, I know that uh that last year when the Bucks came to Houston, the uh the Rockets went went team petty and, and played super freak when they were introducing James Harden. Um so I, I'm interested, you know, obviously the Rockets organization has been staunchly behind their guy uh believing he should have been the MVP last year and that you know that he he was um essentially robbed and all that stuff and so now that the the season is starting in their place and Giannis is going to be there I'm I'm interested to see what kind of fun pettiness might be in the store um I'm interested to see just kind of how you know how raucous that crowd is I I feel like it's going to be uh, a pretty stoked crowd, and you know how how the Bucks are gonna be able to handle that, and obviously Giannis. There's not a lot of places, as I'm sure you've noticed, there's not a lot of places that he gets booed when he's introduced, <laughs> uh, and Houston will definitely be one of them, and that I I think that just makes it all the more fun. So I, I'm I'm definitely interested in that. I'm also interested on the court to see how Dante DiVincenzo was used. Obviously during the the preseason, he got a lot of time on the ball as the Bucks were down Eric Bledsoe. Uh, he was kind of running the second unit as that point guard. Um, how do they use him now that the regular season is here and they have Bledsoe back, they have George Hill. Um, what kind of role does he slot into? Is he, is he on the ball a little bit more? Um, is he still hanging out off the ball, cutting, shooting threes, doing Dante things? Um, yeah, exactly. Like what does he look like? Cause I think that, he, you know, he can really be uh, an asset for them as long as he can stay healthy. Um, just, depending on how they use them, Um, you know, and as we've talked about already, I'm interested in what that, that wing rotation looks like, who gets in for how long, how they fit together um, and all that.
1: Yeah. It's interesting. I I think, and and just quickly, you just reminded me when you were talking about the, uh, the, they played super freak uh, wasn't it also the the last time they played in Milwaukee where it might've been in your paper? Was it your paper that had that was added as right. The, the, the ad for, harden mvp
0: oh, oh yeah mm-hmm. yep they they put that they put that ad in there in the journal sentinel we we took their money it was green <laughs> um you know and uh and we went from there and the Bucks still won and yeah still the mvp and nothing changed so um that was uh you know all, all's well i think yeah uh, you, but
1: you, I, you got some money and and harden did not win mvp it's like a perfect result
0: yeah, so I I think that all of that stuff, I mean, that's one of my favorite things about the NBA is just like the the entertainment factor, like the pettiness, the drama, like the soap opera nature of all of it. Like that stuff is great. Like I I don't know that I only want to focus on that cuz sometimes it gets to be a little little too too overwhelming, but like the right dose of, of that kind of, you know, drama and pettiness, like I'm totally here for it and I I want I want that on on a somewhat nightly basis. Well,
1: I think the interesting thing, or the thing that really gets me with Harden is that it's it's pretty rare at this level or at NBA level that uh, you openly see a player care that much about it. And like it's clearly affected him and clearly hurt him that he didn't win the MVP. And that's what's so that's what's so funny about it, because you just don't see that. And Giannis is all season long, like every time we would ask Giannis about the MVP, I would almost like have to like hold myself from laughing when he would answer and say, I didn't care about MVP. I only care about the team winning because it's very clear that he does care about the winning the MVP and that meant a lot to him, but he's not gonna admit that in public because you just look stupid and Harden has looked pretty stupid at times. And now he just looks like a whining baby that all he wants to do is talk about the MVP and his team hasn't won anything. So then you you throw up all those types of question marks. So I think it's interesting and I I don't, and that's part of the the sort of the interest I have in this Westbrook Harden combination, because I, I just don't know how it's going to work out. And maybe I shouldn't be so skeptical about that. And maybe that's just two really good players and they've played before and they're going to be fine. But uh, I I really cannot wait to see how how that that partnership works out with those two.
0: Yeah, well, they're two guys who when everyone zigs, they zag, and right. and I I like that. I mean, I I don't necessarily like all the next question stuff from Russ and all that, yeah. but like generally speaking, like I like characters. Like characters make the game more fun, and so James Harden approaching the MVP a little bit differently than everybody else. Like, I like that. Like, you know, at least he's being, like, real. Like, that that's, how, you know, he's saying that he cares about it. And and I'm sure if we gave the truth to him, he would tell us that he he cared about it. And he really wanted it. Um, But he, you know, Harden's saying it, and it means something to him. And, you know, he believes he's the best. He believes he's a legend. And you know what? If I were James Harden, I would too. Uh, and, and Russell Westbrook, like, you know, he's he's made a career out of, like, just being this, like absolutely ferocious like wild man and like and like we need more of that right like because like those those are things that like you know the the league needs they need characters and obviously like Russ has his 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 fashion that makes him a little bit different uh and his interests there um but no one plays a game like he does and no one kind of approaches uh how they talk about things and deal with things like he does and so he's unique um and, and we and I like that like we don't need everything to be so homogenous and everybody be the same and say all the right things like this isn't a, a pr campaign this is like a basketball league full of like individual characters and, and the more that the guys lean into that the more fun i have
1: yeah no question I, and i do i do love westbrook's intensity it's uh it is i find it very very entertaining but i think we i think we probably hit on everything here from the from from the game and i i really before i let you go And I know where you're going after we finish recording here, which is exactly what I want to ask you about. Uh, Road Eats last year, I think, became, became a bit of a social media thing. And I want to know if you know where you're going in Houston after we finish recording here, what type of food you're after, and how excited you are for, I would say, I mean, it's really season three for you, but I would say the official second season of NBA Road Eats.
0: Yeah, definitely the official second season. Now, the hashtag wasn't, wasn't really a thing the first year. I mean, the, the eats were real, but the, the hashtag wasn't. Um, I, I don't know exactly where I'm planning on going. Uh, I actually was on um, the same flight as our mutual friend, uh, Eric Name, who I'm sure people listen to this podcast <laughs> know. Uh, he's, very, right the- he's
1: very angry at you, by the way. Well, for- <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> out. I was going to set him up, but no, no. I'm sure he's, I'm sure he's just hungry.
0: Yeah, we were on the same flight, and, and apparently he knows people who are, uh, are Houstonians or, you know, whatever you call people from Houston. And so we have some – he has some ideas. I will gladly ride coattails to good restaurants. I believe there's probably some Mexican or Tex-Mex in our future. Uh, I think that's a good call. I'm hoping that the, um, the restaurant and bar scene is not an absolute, like, mob because of the Astros playing tonight here in town. Um, I'm, I hope we're able to get food because I am definitely hungry.
1: You you two didn't consider picking up a, a world series ticket.
0: You know, I looked at it. My wife asked me, she was like, Oh, like how much are tickets? And so I looked and they were like $450 <laughs> st- standing room only. And I know Eric mentioned like, Oh, well, you know, maybe like the second inning, like maybe prices come down at that yeah. point. But I, uh, I don't know. I, I think it, would I rather spend a hundred dollars on food? Not that I'm going to spend a hundred dollars. If anyone at the journal is listening to this, I'm not spending, (laughs) I promise. But, uh, but would I rather spend that money on a baseball game between two teams that I do not have a rooting interest in or delicious food? Um, You know, I think that's, I mean, it's the world series. Like, you know, it's, it's important. It matters. It's, it's a major event, but you know, food. So, um, you know, we'll see. I, I don't know if I could, you know, rationalize uh, a three-figure uh, expense, a uh, personal expense. on going to the World Series, but I, I definitely need some dinner. That That is important.
1: Yeah, you can sit there with a beer in a glass and, and watch the game on TV. That seems good to me. But I will remind everyone today's episode was brought to you by Indochino. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at indochino.com when entering locked on at the checkout. But, Matt, I am going to, you know, I mean, you know I'm going to hassle you a few times during the season to try and get you on. But uh, thanks, for, uh, thanks for making your season debut.
0: Alright, I enjoyed it and I will uh, gladly take up on the offer in the future
1: Alright, so we are going to leave it there, the Bucks tonight get their season underway, that's a 7pm Central tip-off against the Rockets Frank will be back tomorrow with me to recap what is hopefully a fun season opener in Houston, but for Matt Velasquez and myself, Kane Pittman we'll speak to you tomorrow